This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Today's show is sponsored by ZipRecruiter. Are you hiring? Do you know where to find the perfect candidate? ZipRecruiter finds candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Right now, listeners can post jobs for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash first. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash first. All right, guys, I'm going to hit the drop, and then y'all take it away. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. Big fat Pastor Joey Spencer, Yo, what up? Matt Carter, and extreme yes, genius here. Toby Morrell. <laughs> it's the Big Christian Extreme genius. What up? What up? You know, hey is guys. He, are, are, are we gonna get in trouble one day for saying "Yeah, boy"? Is that like <laughs> saying "boy"? Uh, would that be bad? Oh, that's true. I just, I, don't, I just true. don't know. I don't know or understand. That's what I'm saying. I'm 41 <laughs> years old. I'm literally getting old Things now. Things are changing, I, man. I, yeah, I'm kind of getting. So I'm, I'm 41, and I am getting to the point where it's like. Oh, I don't understand these new things. <laughs> just, like no, my that's true. just like my parents said to me. Hey, that's true. But I was talking to somebody yesterday, and Joey, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Go. but it literally is true. I hope everybody will keep in mind that things are really are changing every single day. <laughs> every now. They, every really, they really hour. are. That's crazy. I mean, they really are. Exciting it's times. Literature. Exciting times or scary times, however you want to look at it. <laughs> you y'all know, are, just hey, y'all are getting old, it. too. Y'all, I mean, yes. y'all both look old. <laughs> look at you, Joey. <laughs> Look at you, man. I mean, that's what that's what scares me the most is like I go, well, I don't feel that old, but then when I look at my friends, I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> grandpa I actually, over here. When I see my little sister and how old she looks, I I remember I'm her older brother. I actually I actually see pe- I see people in public and I put them in an older category than me, and then I stop and think and I take another look and I'm like, oh wait, they're probably younger than me. I mean, it's just yeah, like and they have a class of 2010 yeah. tassel hanging from the rearview mirror. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of getting old, I'm turning 40 in August, and I just went to the Ooh. doctor, and I figured I would just throw myself out there for y'all to make fun of all the things. <laughs> so I had a, I had my app of all these written things down. The doctor actually said, he, he said, um, you're going to have to forgive me because that was a really long list, and if you could just repeat them and we can take them one by one, I'd appreciate it. So so you came in with a list of stuff, like like a list of stuff wrong with your car, oh, yeah. basically, oh, to, yeah. to the mechanic. Yeah, totally. Here's all the things I want to check. So first of all, I got good I got good news for you guys. The the effective antidepressants that I've been on, and a lot of people ask this, fl- flavoxamine. I've been on 150. Sounds safe. That's yeah, all I can it's... say. I don't know anything about it. It sounds super safe. <laughs> sounds or- it's organic, Yeah, right? it's got to be organic. <laughs> Shut up. Don't make me depressed. <laughs> anyway, it's been very effective, but I told him, I said, you know, I'm probably at like 70% as far as feeling good, and I was just wondering if there's any wiggle room. I could literally double it. So you guys may be getting super, super happy, Joey, soon. But he he said he said try don't double it. <laughs> he, no, I'm not. Just don't. I'm do not. That. <laughs> he, I, I'm going to start with uh, an extra fifty grams and kind of see how that goes. Then, fifty grams or fifty milligrams? Milligrams, of course. Okay. All right. So I have a spot on my head that is extremely sensitive when I push down on it, and he actually did. Look, <laughs> he actually did. Look, <laughs> he looked at it and he was just like, oh. Wow. Uh, 
he's like that that is kind of a red spot and if it's been there for a while i need to send you to a dermatologist i've got maybe your skull hadn't closed up like a two-week-old <laughs> yeah. so i have uh too low of the good cholesterol too high of the bad cholesterol and he actually this is what the oh, doctor gosh. told me he actually said he's just like honestly if you just get on cholesterol medicine he said that's what i do because i don't want to stop eating sausage and eggs and all that stuff and but i actually i want to go the route of less fried foods less grease even more exercise because i've been exercising a lot and just see if i can beat it but it's probably one it is one of those things where if it's if if you inherited it you can do whatever you want and still have it. So I got to take care of that. And then I have my feet are just still digressing. I have a really bad bunion when I jog. I literally <laughs> rub through my jogging shoes after about six months. Like there's a spot on my shoes that always form a hole. And uh, he it looks just kinda... exactly like the spot on your head. <laughs> <laughs> and then, man, I'm telling you, this 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 actually did scare me. And I don't. It's it's not something that yeah, I don't care if y'all laugh. But I actually was counseling a couple, and it happened about six or seven times in a row where I knew what I was going to say to what they were saying, and then when they stopped, my mind just went completely blank, and I did not know what I was going to say. And I think maybe there were a couple times where they were like huh, what's, that was kind of a weird pause. But for the most part, I kept it afloat, but I just kept forgetting. And he, he actually said that that could be related to the depression and, you know, if I'm suffering from anxiety or Joey, or just like so that. you know, it might make you feel better, but I've done that at least 10 to 15 times a day since I was 12. <laughs> Yeah. Are you, are you serious? I, it's okay to forget that. No, I, know, I mean, I but it, it's, I it, it felt I, bad. It, it felt like, wait a yeah. second, what is happening? Like, yeah, I, but, I was I mean, like a, but that the thing that, that I realize about that, too, is that you make it way worse because then you start thinking about it, and it's like, is something wrong? And what? Yeah. maybe I can't remember. And so then you're actually spending brain power on the not instead of moving ahead. And so I, I've actually gotten a little bit better. As to, and also, I'm a terrible listener, but you probably have so much on your mind that you are just you can easily float to this thing or that thing or that thing, and then you you know you bring yourself back real quick and you can't grasp yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And the last last I mean, thing you, I you thought, might, you, la- I've always thought you probably are dying. <laughs> <laughs> last thing I thought I had throat cancer because I've had like a uh, a sore throat for literally three months. But he checked for mono, checked for checked for strep, and he said it's probably just allergies and post-nasal drip, but I've had a sore throat for a long time. So anyway, hey, successful visit. I'm on my way to a dermatologist. I got uh, a higher dosage of antidepressants, and I think I'm okay. And I'm going to start taking some fish oil um, Mm -hmm. for the cholesterol. So we'll see what happens. We'll see it pans out. We're just, uh, we're we're, we're worried about the point we get to where, when, when your mamma is worried about your mind, that's the, that's the part we're worried about. Did I tell you all this? I don't remember. She's like, I think something's wrong oh, with yeah, Joey. Oh, yeah, no. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> when mamma goes, Joey doesn't seem like himself. <laughs> and no, when your mamma says what you said to her, which is, what it was it? Uh, I've, already, I've said my goodbye. I've already said my goodbye. <laughs> He's <Joey>. already gone. <laughs> Joey's already gone. She's still there. You know, I, I really had she a She doesn't know anything, day. by the way. I, I might have I might have said this to you guys. I don't remember if I'm on air or off air, but I just I had this totally morbid thought the other day of just the clock counting down to your day. Like it started right when you were born, and it's just been getting lower, less and less yeah. and less. Like there's this just digital clock that's just counting down. A stopwatch, you know, whatever, going backwards, and it's just going to stop at some point, and that's it's, that. And I just ah, it's less. It's a little more concrete than that. It's not. Uh, it's not that abstract. That that 
clock itself is your heart, my friend. Right. It beats a certain number of times. And yeah, then, think, and think, yeah, most, think of it. You know what I'm saying? Oh, a certain God. amount so of you, them are gone, yeah. and you have a certain amount of heartbeats left. Think, about, oh, it at, think about it as the, like the battery on a Mac computer. And, I mean, we don't know. Ours may say 10%. Like, we don't know. <laughs> you know how sometimes they go when it says 8% your phone dies? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's right. <laughs> like, I got, I got 8%. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> Woo, this is, this is oh, really. Good. I got 8%. This is no all, yeah, I'm good. I can make it. I'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> I got grandkids coming. I'm on. I'm on twelve percent. Should be no problem. Oh shit. <laughs> oh lord. <laughs> uh, all right. I forgot to mention this up top, but uh, we got those tour dates, and these tour dates are big deals for us. And no, it's not the Bad Christian Podcast going on tour, although we will get to that. But it's our band Emory has tour dates. Uh, there's a bunch of them. We announced some more, and on most of the tour dates that we have, I'm, I can't. I don't have all of them exactly worked out. But good announcement is this is a. Uh, Lowercase noises is going to be with Emory Dang. on our tour. That's awesome. Uh, they're not. I, I'm not. They're not on the first three shows coming up here. But all the ones for the second half of the leg going out west, all the west coast and Texas. It looks like Andy and Lowercase Noises will be joining us for the tour. So that's a a big deal. But look at our Midwest, West Coast, and Texas dates all up on EmoryMusic.com. Also, Vocal Fuse doing 44 tour dates Woo! in living rooms starting in June. If you can believe that. They're, they're coming through Nashville. RV. They're doing 44 tour dates that are going literally, almost literally, not literally, literally, but they're going virtually everywhere. And also, I wanted to tell you guys that Zach Bolin, who's on BC Music as well. Uh, that's vocalfew.com for their tour dates. But Zach Bolin, who's on BC Music as well and produced the Matt and Toby record, and he's in the band Citizens and Saints, he's doing shows with another band that we're great friends with called Ghost Ship. Oh, sweet. Who uh, is an ex-Mars Hill band with King's Kaleidoscope and Zach Bolin, Citizens, all that, that group. And they're in Texas in June here, so they have tour dates that I would just love for anybody in Texas to check out. Let me see what their dates are. June 1st, 2nd, 3rd, and 4th in Texas and uh, ghostshipmusic.com if you want to go find that. And that will be a very, very fun tour. So go out and say hey to Zach and Cam and all the guys in Ghost Ship. Um, and then, you know, Matt and Toby pre-order is up still. So mattandtobyband.com for that. And by the way, Zach Boland's the one that produced that record for us and it turned out great. Oh yeah, awesome! Yeah, yeah. Thanks for Toby, that, Toby. You got? Do you get send all your mix notes and everything in for that? Uh, yeah, we're doing final mixing. Yeah, you getting along with Zach good on it? Oh yeah, well it, yeah, I'm. I've known Zach since we both worked at Mars Hill, but uh, yeah, he's he's a legit dude. And like I said, man, this this record is just unreal. Like we were doing the track listing yesterday, and I was listening through all the songs to see which songs to go first and how we do the order and all, which always just just destroys my brain, but. This record is going to be awesome. The Matt and Toby record. I just can't wait for everybody to hear it. You can pre-order right now, get those two songs immediately, and uh, we're, mm-hmm. we're, the record's going to be coming out soon. I guess we'll announce a release a release date here soon. We'll yeah. announce it soon, yeah. yeah, as soon as we figure out the, how long it takes to make vinyl. Um, I was going to go into some things that pissed me off, but I, I, I think we should go ahead and get to our guest. I think it's just, okay. I think it's just, just ready. So listen up next time. Because uh, I have some, several things that have just been blowing my damn mind and making me so angry in life. And I'm going to talk about them soon. So, um, all right. Why don't we bring on George? And uh, this is a, this is going to okay. be a very I'll pull him up. Yeah, this is going to be a very interesting uh, podcast. And we're going to be talking about uh, 
affirming uh, our, our all all people. <laughs> I don't know. He's getting super. I, uncomfortable. I, I, I can't How are you doing? It's crazy. You sound like Joey. <laughs> <laughs> just read. Just thank our sponsor, and we'll have a conversation with a guy named George in a second. How about that? Well, well, one thing I'm not unsure of is that is ZipRecruiter and how awesome they make hiring people for your company. This is just such a great <laughs> company that can just really find the right people to connect with you and and just seriously make your job, your business way easier. Are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? Now, here's the the deal. Like we we started our own business here several times and uh it has been very difficult just trying to find the right person and the right fit with ZipRecruiter. It is no problems. They are just amazing. They make everything so easy. They find the best talent, the right person, all all the stuff that you want and the person you're going to hire, ZipRecruiter helps you find. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites with just one click. Then their powerful technology efficiently matches the right people to your job better than anyone else. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Simply screen, rate, and manage candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. So find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find most the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, our listeners can post on on ZipRecruiter. They can post their jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash first. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash first. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash first. Thank you, Toby. All right, guys, I want to play for you a track, a music track by the best band in Seattle. I think they're the best band in Washington. Probably the best band in the country. Well, they're the best band in the galaxy. I won't, I won't extend it past the galaxy, but King's Kaleidoscope is the best band in the galaxy. And here is a track of theirs, their last record on Tooth and Nail. The record's called Beyond Control. If you haven't heard it, you're crazy. But this track is called Dust, and I want to play it a little bit for you. Tracks called Dust, King's Kaleidoscope, their record Beyond Control. It came out last summer, and they just released a fully instrumental version of it on May 19th. So that means you can go to Spotify, uh, find King's K, and loop their amazing music in the background with none of those annoying vocals on it. Just kidding, the vocals are probably the best part, but the instrumentals are great to have on if you don't want to be distracted by vocals. You can study to it, whatever. I think it's a really cool idea. Also, Gospel Song Records is launching a King's K remix contest. 
and you can win some customized Kings K Adidas gear as well as many other prizes. So you go to gospelsongunion.com slash remix. gospelsongunion.com slash remix to find out more. Also, that record, Beyond Control, is on sale on iTunes right now for just $7.99. So go check out Beyond Control and go to work on doing your remix and win some new kicks, Adidas sneakers. So let's get George on here. I think we got him. George, how are you? Yeah, how are you guys? Very good. All right, so you can hear us okay? Yep. How do I sound? You sound very good. sound normal. Um, and all right, so... Joey, Toby, George, y'all can all, everybody's good technically. Yeah, yep. each other. hey, George. Hey, guys. All right. All right, well, we're off and rolling. George, nice to meet you. Likewise, thanks for having me. Oh, oh, hold on, yep. put you on full screen. Sorry, we'll put there. you on full screen. Uh, so we got, I got introduced to you through Matt McDonald. We were on tour last week with him, his band Classic Crime. I don't know if you know Matt. You must know him. But he introduced us on email and told us about uh, what you have done online recently and some controversy that you got into. And it occurred to me um, that when I when I looked into it, I was like, oh, man, that is a really kind of a poignant way to, to look at stuff. And I'm, I won't give it away. We'll go into it slowly here. I can't sum it all up. But when I read your article and saw what you had done, it made me feel a, a little bit of a goofy feeling of like, whoa, this is kind of uh, new territory or a really good point or kind of scary. And so I thought, let's jump into this. So yeah, this, uh, we when I read do- when I read it, it was all the like Southern evangelical in me came out and said, "Is this the enemy? Is this the enemy trying to infiltrate my brain?" <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we found we found this topic to be really interesting and a little bit scary. So I thought we would just jump straight yeah. into it. And we don't really know. We want to have a conversation here about it, and we don't know what we're going to say about it particularly either. So it's going to be. I'm interested to do this, but. Uh, Let's see. The best way to set this up, I have the clip from that I want to play of Judah Smith's sermon. So could we start with that? Or do you want to – I'll tell you what. I'm just going to make you do it. Set this up for us. And when when it's time, I'll play this clip from Judah, and we'll continue. How about that? Okay, sure. So uh, the clip that you're about to show basically is is what uh, led to this letter eventually. Uh, A friend of mine sent it to me and said, hey, check this out. pretty exciting, right? You know, and so some background before that, uh, I was the executive pastor of a church in Seattle called Eastlake Community Church uh, for Mm -hmm. about six years. And the story of Eastlake basically was that we were not affirming for, you know, the first half of my tenure there. And then in January, 2015, we became fully open and affirming, culminating in a Time Magazine article, national story. Uh, But that experience and sort of having lived through both the ambiguity and the sort of non-inclusion of, of evangelical church policy and being in the room when I'm, you know, as the executive pastor having to enforce policy, um, what that looks like is, hey, you know, we got a, a gay couple. They want to, whatever, lead a group, right? And mm-hmm. when the decision comes down to it. It's, it's us saying, well, you know, no, tell them, tell them they can't. Um, so sort of being behind the scenes and understanding how policy is formed and how it's executed and then experiencing both worlds, you know, so then culminating again, January 2015, to where we apologized. We said, look, we were, were vague, we were wrong, we had a hurtful policy, and now everyone is welcome here, um, has given me sort of a unique perspective. And so when I saw this clip that, that you're about to show, um, I, I was hopeful, I was optimistic, but I was all too familiar with the rhetoric that can be amb- ambiguous and, and misleading. So, mm-hmm. once you roll that. Yeah. 
Okay, so I'll roll the clip here. So this is Judah Smith in a sermon. Do you know what the date, how long ago this was? This is it's a 60-second a clip from a series of theirs called Church Like Home, where, and just to be clear, I think for the most part, this series and the sermon, he was speaking about stuff like immigration. Is that correct? That's my understanding, yeah. Okay. And, and, just right. so our, this, and just so our listeners know, this is a very influential mega pastor, mega church pastor guy that oh, has, has a big voice. That's true. Maybe in the world, not just America, but probably yeah, in the world. That's true. Judah Smith is a pastor at the City Church in Seattle. It's a very large church, and Judah Smith is considered uh, Justin Bieber's pastor. Yeah. Is one of his claims to fame, <laughs> I think. Uh, and, but he's very, uh, he, you know, he's very well so known. You can tell he's doing uh, a good job. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Bieber is a shining light of Christ, in my opinion. <laughs> so this was probably October, November. I think this clip this mm-hmm. happened. Okay, so we'll play the clip here. (laughs) Jesus systematically opposes all forms of exclusion. He he opposes it. He is against it. Any form, any system, any policy, or any program that excludes anyone, Jesus diabolically and very obviously opposes it. So when it comes to our own country and when it comes to exclusions of all kinds and any policies or systems or worldviews or perspectives that you and I might have and maybe has never been challenged or questioned, Jesus, if you follow him long enough, he will take you to Matthew's house. And all of us together as followers of Jesus will have to deal with any exclusions we have allowed in our mentality, our perspective, or in our heart. So it sounds pretty yeah, powerful. Obviously, yeah, he's I mean, it sounds pretty powerful and encouraging. You know what I mean? Like if I if I if I heard that, I would think no matter who I was, man, that Judas Smith's got my back. For sure, it says he wants me to come here to church. I, he right. he's welcoming everybody here. Is certainly the what the gist of that clip yeah. at least. And it is not the whole clip, and there's an edit in there for, for sure somewhere, it, it, at least. And that's not the whole sermon, but that, it, that is, speaks for itself to some degree. Yeah. Right, yeah. So basically, the rest of the story goes, uh, he sent that clip out with a tweet that said, let's get rid of all exclusion. My friend sends it to me. And, and for context, this is a friend who has been hurt in the past by uh, forms of exclusion in the church. And so, understandably, excited, sent this to me. And um, so my response was, okay. Let's assume the best, right? So I send a tweet back, which uh, people get upset about this. Like, you're not supposed to, you know, respond on Twitter. It's like one of the three features. You know, you can reply, you can retweet, or you can like. <laughs> so I hit reply on the tweet. Um, and I said, hey, great clip. Uh, just to be clear, this means that City Church will now baptize Mary higher. Something to that effect is, is how I responded. Um, really exciting post, right? And uh, within 24 hours, it was deleted. The, his, his tweet was deleted, and the Dang. message from the website was gone. Um, and so I was just, you know, I, I really wanted clarity because a couple reasons. This is a unique situation, right? I'm a pastor mm-hmm. 20 miles, 15 miles away from this church. Um, my church that I'm the executive pastor at is going through a really difficult season of, of, of navigating inclusion. Um, and here's another pastor, a local pastor, getting up on stage to, at a, on a big platform and, and using really strong language that, in my mind, is actually misleading. Um, and so I 
tried for about three months after that point to reach out to Judah directly. Um, I even, before this letter was published, I sent it to the city church office. I got a response that was like, hey, you'll hear back uh, from Judah. It's been forwarded to him. Never heard back. Okay, so let me interrupt you there. He took down his original tweet. So is that assuming, basically what I'm assuming here to catch people up to speed if, if they don't get it, that he wasn't talking about LGBT or gay people or anything like that. He was talking about something else, used that language, tweeted it out, but then and then after the fact must have, I mean, we're, I guess, speculating here, but he must have realized, oh, that's confusing because it sounded like I was being affirming for LGBT, but that's not what I meant. Uh-oh, I better pull that tweet down, or at least to cause less confusion. So you're saying the tweet came down and the message, the sermon itself was pulled from their website. Correct, yeah. Okay. And yeah, we're speculating on the intention, right? Uh, I could very yeah, well right. be what right. it was. That's right. The reality is um, it was something that was said and retweeted hundreds of times, shared. You know, it's out there now, and people mm-hmm. um, are now left to interpret it, right? And, and right. my whole thing is coming at this from a perspective of people are getting hurt by this, right? Um, I've, I've, I've been a part of situations where people had – been invested in communities like this that use rhetoric like everyone's welcome only to find out, you know, after two, three years of investing in these communities that, you know, they're welcome only to a certain point. Um, And again, I've been a part of, I've I've participated in that sort of dynamic. And so a big part of, um, you know, what I'm trying to do comes from a place of, of like, almost like warning, like, Hey, don't make the same mistake I did. Um, and so, so yeah, that might have been the intention in deleting it, but it doesn't change mm-hmm. the fact that something very ambiguous was said very publicly. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting to me on the level that he may have just accidentally stumbled in this territory, and now all of a sudden there's a spotlight on it, and it's kind of like, wait, what do I do? And so, again, with the speculation, I'll go here. I mean, this is me speculating, but I imagine that he and people like him in almost every church and mega church of course is of the most for the most part is of the stance where we would like everybody to come to our church so it's not like i think people like he, him or other people are like gay people stay away we don't like you you're bad i don't think that's not the tone of it that i get at all but what is kind of poignant here is bringing up the fact that okay well but i'm just asking you what do you think then is kind of the where where we're at now that now that it's out there now that you brought it up it's kind of important to know where somebody stands but he but he was un, but he didn't but he never has confirmed or denied that they would be affirming or not or how, where they are so essentially there's nowhere at city church this particular church which i'm sure is typical of many there is no stance yeah cuz i mean bottom, bottom line is conservative christians or big time pastors can reach out to Judah Smith at that point and say oh i heard that you were affirming he could say no no we're not i didn't say that but but, but he could say we're not is, is the point sure right? but 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 George's question would if he answered that it would have eliminated that possibility because answering yeah. that question would have clarified his stance and he wasn't willing to do that so George are you saying you would have been very very fine and happy with or accepting of an answer that says oh yes yes everybody's welcome to come to church here but we don't baptize or marry or allow LGBT people to lead small groups. Exactly. Yes. And that's because it, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say that's really the nuance to the conversation that I'm trying to have. I think too too often we we skip ahead and we're already talking about what does the Bible say and what is sin and, and all that. 
I'm trying to have a conversation about clarity specifically. Yeah. And it was interesting actually reading um, some of the comments on your guys' Facebook page when you had the preview for this, uh, mm-hmm. uh, this episode. And that's immediately what everyone wants to do is they just want to be exactly. arguing about the Bible. And I'm like, you know what? Look, there's a time and place for that. There's a venue for that. I'm actually trying to change the conversation to talk about this, this problem that I believe exists specifically in the evangelical world that is ambiguity. I think ambiguity, when it comes, again, specifically to policy, is not helpful. It, it, it ends up hurting people. And so let me drill down on this real quick because it can get really confusing. I'm not talking about your theology even. I'm not, inter- I, I'm not saying pastors need to you know, really clearly articulate what they think about the Trinity or, the, you know, or how they view Scripture necessarily. Those are all good conversations to have. But what I'm speaking to specifically is that policies exist in the church. You can't get around them, right? Again, mm-hmm. I've experienced this firsthand. There are gay people, lesbians, transgender people. Um, even go down further down the road and talk about um, whether or not a church will ordain women. Um, inclusion is a really big word, and there are policies that, that back it up, that churches actively enforce. And so what I'm after is just say clearly what it is that you're enforcing. That's it. Mm-hmm. You, and you, and let, well, let me say, let me say something from uh, the perspective of being a part of a of one of the bigger churches in America. And this is speculation. I haven't heard anyone at Seacoast actually articulate this, but I think they feel they, as in capital C Church all over America, they feel like it's a justified approach to be ambiguous because. To them, it's like, well, we love gay people. We really do, and we want them to meet Jesus. So if we put it out there that we wouldn't marry them, then they won't come. And I know Matt is probably a little more skeptical of the motivations, just you know, thinking of numbers and stuff, but I do think that there are people saying, mm-hmm. this is a tough issue. I don't know what to do with this, but I certainly want gay people coming to our church for the love of God. Of course I want them coming to church. And... Uh, and they know that making they they know to themselves okay we are not affirming but if we put it out there clearly then gay people won't feel welcome so it is uh, it's just a tough scenario but i think that goes back to what george is saying you can even say that that's the truth yeah. you can no, say i agree we, i we agree. welcome everybody but we aren't going to marry you right. and then let the people decide i feel like that would be sure. more respectful no, I agree. and right. honoring rather than hey yeah come in and, and uh, it gets a little weird right. and, no, and i, I agree. think i think mm-hmm. in the article i was reading about you, George, I thought you made a really good point that really struck me is it, it, it is about creating a safe place where you can come and connect with the creator. That, that, that is what the church is supposed to do and, and it's supposed to teach you about Jesus and all this stuff. So if you're not going to create the safe space, then how can you ever really make that connection if you're having to look around and, and worry? Are people, you know, what's going on behind the scenes? Are people talking about you or are they going to kick you out or are yep. you allowed to do this, not allowed to do that? I think the ambiguity, yeah. I think you nailed it. It, it. it actually creates an unsafe space where you don't actually get what you are there for or you don't know yeah so right. it's it's a little it's a very nuanced as you said so i hope everybody can and drop the thing where you're already quoting bible verses to yourself and saying <laughs> but this is okay yeah. aren't people free to say what they want i hope everybody will just drop that just a little bit because i know that's where your brain immediately releases and that comment thread that you pointed out george is exactly the case it, the, the nuance is immediately gone and it's back to straight to the sides this side that side 
fuck this, this is right, the Bible says this, whatever it is. Um, but what we're trying to discuss here is the idea that, and I think what we're saying is all four people on this call think it's totally reasonable to have theological convictions that would say to you, to a certain church in the United States in 2017 is totally fine to say, we allow, and, and again, nobody's saying, gay people, stay away from us, we're scared of you. That's not really even what anybody's talking about. We're talking about, it's okay for somebody's theological convictions to be such that they say, hey, you're welcome here, but you can never become a pastor of this church if you are actively LGBT or whatever. That's that's an okay position for somebody to have. We All four of us agree with that, right? Mm-hmm. I would absolutely yes. agree. That. And the conversation is, that does that need to be explicit? And what are the ramifications of that not being made explicit? Right. Yeah, and I think it's important in this conversation to point out that, you know, this is four straight guys talking about this. Right. And yeah, which ain't a good idea, I know. <laughs> we'll, We're already, we'll already hear people are mad about it. that. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, what, what was interesting about the response to the Judah letter was um, members of the LGBTQ community responded with a lot of, um, obviously, joy. And thank you for articulating this point in, in a way that, you know, I've been trying to basically say forever that we really just want a safe place to worship. We, we just want to go to church and know that we're looked at the way that everyone else is looked at. Not that like, mm-hmm. you know, you're welcome here is fine. I, I get that sentiment. Um, but for them, it's, it's they're, they don't really feel welcome a, a lot of times. They're, again, they're waiting for the next shoe to drop. Um, so they're they're welcome up to a point. So they're like, okay, they good. This church allows me to be here. I heard what Pastor Judah said, and then you sign up for baptisms or baby dedication. They're like, actually, no, and you don't know if that's going to happen or not. So you've already invested nine months in going to a church that already knew that they weren't going to, they were going to tell you no if you asked them to marry you, but you didn't know whether or not they were going to tell you no until you'd already been in community small group sermons for nine months or eighteen months, and then you. Ha- then only then can you find out that they're not going to do that. Right. Exactly. And, and actually, Judah, the Judah situation came after uh, a while after I had started talking about this nuance of clarity. Um, my first like my public foray into this was um, last year, late last year. Uh, are you guys familiar with InterVarsity and their whole their whole stance recently? Um, are you familiar with this? No, I'm not. Okay, so InterVarsity catch us up is a huge um, Christian organization, campus ministry. They're like Young Life, but colleges. A really big uh, organization. They recently came out after, like a, I think, a two-year discernment process with a very clear stance that, look, at InterVarsity, we believe that marriage is between one man and one woman. Here's an 18-page paper on human sexuality and, and our conclusions, right? And people in sort of the... Um, inclusive community um, were understandably upset and pushed back and you know we signed a letter that said hey this is damaging all that kind of stuff but I came out with a blog post that said InterVarsity did the right thing right and it made nobody happy right people on both sides are like what how, how could you say they did the right thing but the point is they're just saying what they believe I wish more churches right. would come out with 18 page papers about their theology and, and, and understanding their convictions of here's why we think the, you know the Bible says Marriage is between one man and one woman. That's what I'm after here. It's like, just say what you mean, mean what you say, right? It's, it's really basic. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, think- That's what Joey refers to me as being skeptical there. And this is, for me, less about even the, the, the inclusion issue, which I'm fine with getting into also. But I feel like the, the, 
the knock on the big churches is we want as many people to be here as possible. They've already it's a foregone conclusion to them that everything they're doing is good and positive and right, and therefore the bigger numbers they can have, even if it's not even laying money aside, they've already decided that we are doing it right, and so we want as many people to come here as possible. And if we, they wind up changing, whatever, or it's just a simple matter of we want more numbers or we want more money. But all we can do by being very clear publicly is lose. <laughs> I yeah. mean, you understand that, right? I mean, even me going to this conversation today, I feel like, well, there's a, a big possibility of us putting our foot in our mouth or saying something wrong. All they really can do, all you can really do is lose because you, you, you're you running this big church and you're like, oh crap, I'm confronted with this question now. And it's like, this is going to make a lot of people upset no matter what I say. It's so much better for me to stay quiet. Maybe I can get to know people. Maybe things will cool off in six months. I don't know. I mean, that's that's just human nature. I'm not saying it's the most evil thing in the world, but if you were running something really, really big and you knew that there's a lot on the line here, it's, of course, a lot easier to stay quiet. Right? Yeah. yeah and, I mean, that's why, he, that's why I haven't gotten a response, I, and I understand. I, I even says, say in the letter, you know, I know this is going to be a difficult thing, but, I mean, what are we doing as pastors and leaders if we're not just telling the truth? You know, the, the, or what you believe, yeah. Exactly. I mean, these are our convictions. Can you even really call them convictions if you're not willing to state them? I don't know that you can. Uh, one of the comments that I read was, um, you know, don't water down the gospel, which is a common thing that, you know, inclusive Christians hear is you're watering down the gospel by allowing gay people in or whatever. And I'm like, okay. But in order to, to be consistent with that, rhetoric that, you know, we're watering down the gospel, you have to understand that ambiguity is the quintessential way of watering down the gospel. You know, when you're up there and you're saying all these big words about inclusion, I mean, I play that clip back, like that's watering it down because you're not even actually speaking to your conviction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Do y'all think, it, so do y'all think he was purposely trying to be misleading? No, okay. I don't think that. No, I think he was trying to talk about something, and then realized, "Oh shit, yeah. I might have went a little too far." No. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I don't want to, because because the truth is, I mean, no matter what, he has to be concerned about the congregation, which is part of his job. But also, it's his job, and what happens if it blows up and it becomes a big thing? That, that's kind of what I wanted to go back to. You were working at, at East Lake Church, and y'all, you guys uh, be, became affirming and inclusive. Uh, but it didn't start out that way. So you're saying that your mind changed on the issue, George? How did that happen? Yeah, absolutely. Um, did you so, used to be totally against it? Like you were like Bible quoting, uh, you know? I went to Mars Hill you can't, for the season. Yeah. <laughs> I worked there. <laughs> I was a Mark Driscoll disciple for a couple of years. So I've seen, I've seen a little bit of everything. Um, but yeah, my, I changed my, my mind and my, and my framing and my theology on this um, in large part because – the journey that we were on at Eastlake and, and through the leadership there and leadership team I was a part on, a part of, um, that had a lot to do with it. We were, you know, there was an internal struggle of, you know, this, this doesn't sit right. Um, and so you have to deal with that, right, at, at some level. Or you choose not to. You choose to stuff it down and, and just pretend like it's not there. And, and so we uh, decided to deal with it and we went down the, the road of, of asking a lot of questions and, and, and reading a lot of books and talking to a lot of people. And uh, many, many people have gone before us in this, you know, I mean, the mainline church that I'm now a part of at, at Riverside in New York, um, I mean, years and years, like decades uh, ago resolved uh, this issue. Um, and so for me personally, a couple, a couple of big things happened. Um, one, a really good friend of mine uh, came out to me and my wife and, um, 
and told us that she was in love with our other really good friend who was our, our, na- our kid's nanny. And um, I mean, if I wasn't already resolved on this issue by then, by that point, which I pretty much was, that was really the nail in the coffin. I was like, oh, okay, well, this is, this is easy, right? Um, but the thing that killed me about that was um, Christina, that's her name, she was, she was working for us uh, at Eastlake. And um, they told us on a Saturday night, she sings in, she, uh, on the music team, and so she was supposed to sing the next morning. And so she was telling me as a friend, but also, you know, I'm her boss. I'm her boss's boss's boss, I think. And, um, you know, she had been a part of numerous conversations, staff conversations about, hey, here's, here's where we're headed and here's kind of the journey that we're on. And um, she should have felt the most safe out of anyone, right? Uh, especially in the context of our friendship, you know, like th- these people, I mean, Ayla and Christina had become family. Um, yeah. And she was telling me through tears uh, because she was afraid that I was going to fire her on the spot and she wouldn't be able to sing the next morning. And so that shifted things quite a bit because it, it really highlighted like, look, if Christina doesn't feel safe, then we've done a terrible job at this one way or the other. Like we're not being clear at all. Um, and so that really propelled things for us uh, at Eastlake. Um, so she, she was, you're saying that she even already knew how you feel and that you wouldn't be necessarily freaked out or anything like that. She knew you personally would even kind of be okay with it, but still felt like given the nature of your job and the church and your policy itself would have dictated that she was out of her job. Exactly. And everything. And that's where the uniqueness of of churches and policy and and just the power that's inherent in these structures that we have matters. Because a lot of times, like, again, look, I don't know what Judah believes personally. I don't know what a lot of these pastors believe personally. And that's why I'm not really interested in pressing in on that question, belief or stance. Like these, these are distracting parts of the conversation in my mind. I'm interested in policy, what you're enforcing, what you will say when someone comes to you and says, hey, will you do my wedding or can I get back? Because it already exists, though. I mean, it's already a fact what they will and won't do. It's just not able to be known until it happens and then it's dealt with quietly. Is that what's going on typically? That's exactly what's going on. So um, it, policies are being enforced. And so regardless of what you believe or what 50% of your staff believe or you know, 40% of your congregation believes... I'm, you know, those are all, again, distractions. I'm talking about the enforcement of your policy. Um, so, so that was kind of our journey. Uh, so I haven't, always, I haven't always been affirming, and I feel a sense of responsibility to speak to people who um, are where I was. And, and there's, you know, there's, there's money dynamics on the line, right? Like Eastlake, we lost thousands of people and millions of dollars. We had to close seven of our locations, right? Whoa. Let's not skip that part. Yeah. Let's, let's, so I mean, wait, so you're saying, that's you're what saying Judah Smith is facing, the, though, right? You're saying, like, following the Spirit and trying to do the right thing, it, did, it wasn't a massive success? <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah, telling the truth can, can be expensive and unpopular. Um, and, you know, that's what we experienced. And so that uh and y'all hang on i want to yeah, say yeah. i still want to spend more time there that's just too interesting because first of all there's like i'm saying that's judah smith's looking at that the other church in town in seattle the most progressive city one of the most progressive cities in the country loses has to shut down seven campuses and loses millions of dollars because of what you're asking him to do in a tweet and he you know and it, of course i mean I, I understand where he's coming from on that but it's it's crazy because 
I think a lot of critics of people would say, oh, they're just going this way to get more audience and to go with the flow of culture. But clearly, it doesn't work out that way. It sounds a lot more the opposite of that. That's what the weird thing about it is pick up your cross, tell the truth, do what you think is right is hard and might be costly. It's right. not that you, it's not like you get to go affirming here and then your church blows up and you've compromised the gospel and in order to, to make some worldly gain. I mean, I guess somebody could say there's a different type of worldly gain that you may have, but interesting topic there. Yeah, no, and, and just to kind of back up to what you said, I wasn't asking him to become inclusive in that tweet. I think that's a really yeah. important point that I don't, I don't want to gloss right. over. I was asking him. But to- so I'm, no, I'm suggesting maybe he is. I, I, I believe, I'm not saying he is, again, total spec. I'm not even speculating that he is, but I do speculate that there are a number of pastors who are like you were the day before Christina talked to you. We're like, oh, I'm totally fine with this. I just can't say it. Totally. That that exists too, the and there's people that high. I'm totally not fine with it, but I don't want to look like a bigot, so I'm going to stay quiet. Both of those exist currently. Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah, but I guess my point is more: um, don't make the same mistake, right? Like, just because that was that was mm-hmm. my reality is it's like the that revealed that we were hurting so many people, right? And subsequently, all the conversations I've had, the people that responded to this letter, like, I mean, I had people respond to this letter saying. We were shopping, me and my, my, my wife, a lesbian couple, were shopping for a church in the Seattle area for years, and we would call ahead. We would look on their Facebook page. We'd look on their website just to try to understand what their policy was before we went. And she's like, we had experiences where we, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't even tell us over the phone. Like they, it's, this, it's this really weird game that churches like are, yeah. are playing. Yeah. And I, I think some of them are intentionally trying to mislead people because – you know, maybe it's maybe it's there's a good intention underneath it, right? Like we want to save you from other, I don't know, affirming churches or whatever. But like, I think I understand that impulse. If you, if Joe, you feel free if you want to, or I'd be glad to sum it up. But I think the impulse there is, listen, we think it's wrong and ultimately sinful, but we got to get them in the door to convince them of that over the period of time, and we believe eventually they'll change their minds, and hopefully they will be um, that. The Spirit will convict them of what they have wrong currently, and then eventually they won't be gay anymore, and they are welcome to stay here, of course. And then, from and then, then once they understand, like we do, that they don't yet understand, then they can be group leaders. And once they've understood that this is not their identity is not LGBT, it's being a Christian, and then they can get past that. So uh, that's why they need to be, from their point of view, that is why they need to be ambiguous because they need that incubation time to spend with them and show them that God loves them and that it's okay and that your identity is not in your sexuality. Which is which is the very that's what they're thinking. Which is the very premise of uh and of having like a seeker friendly church. I mean, you want people to come with the nice music and the nice coffee and all that is set up so people would come and enjoy themselves. So that falls right in line with what you just said. I mean, that's that's part of it. Yeah. Right. But it is misleading though. No sure. to, to be clear, that is misleading to do that, but that is what that is that is at least the motivation there. It's like saying, you know, nobody calls a church and says, "Can I come to this church if I listen to Iron Maiden?" Right. Nobody calls ahead and needs clarity on that because they're like, yeah. you wouldn't say, well, you're not welcome here or you're welcome, but we're going to change your mind over, you know, assuming there's some church that doesn't like rock music like Iron Maiden or something. But this issue is super difficult and bizarre. I hope people at least understand that because it is coming in the front door. It's not guns blazing and it's not meant to be confrontational, but it's like some, 
you know, the heaviness of the identity of it. I am this is what is, is what makes it get feel very, very strange very, very quickly. Right. But again, it, I think, A, I mean, I think the seeker sensitive movement is somewhat of a, of a failure. Mm-hmm. It's built on yeah, capitalistic ideals that, you know, part of this conversation is saying, like, we need to move on from that. This, that, that didn't work. Right. Yep. And it's yep. creating harm. And, and, it, and I. Like, I think it's important to highlight, too, I think religious freedom is really important in this, right? I think that churches that have a conviction that says marriage is between one man and one woman, mm-hmm. I, don't have, I don't have a problem with them existing. Um, and I don't, I don't necessarily make it my goal to change anyone's mind anymore, right? Like, when, shortly after I became inclusive, that was part of my approach, my strategy. is like, oh, I'm inclusive. This is great. Everyone should think like this, Right. Um, and, and certainly that's, that's still a desire. Like anytime I get invited into a conversation where someone is asking questions about my journey and wants to learn how I changed my mind, I love those conversations, but to make it my mission to go after people and say, you need to think like me, um, I think is a little bit misguided if I haven't been invited to that conversation. But mm-hmm. I think that's very different than as a pastor, um, leveraging the, the, um, influence and the authority that I have to hold other pastors accountable to what they're saying in the public square, right? Um, we have a responsibility to what we say publicly. If I give a sermon and someone comes back and asks me a question about it, I welcome that question, right? Like that I said something publicly, you have a question about it. Let me clarify. I, I just don't know what world we live in where it's like that that's going to get ignored. Like my, my letter was, was actually really reasonable. Right. Like I didn't know yeah. I wasn't supposed yeah. to like approach the throne, but it, it's just really weird that that um, people are like pissed at me and defend um, this kind of behavior from from leaders. I just I don't understand mm-hmm. it. I really don't. Yeah, I, I wanted to ask a question, too. So, uh, George, I, I think you probably are familiar. I know I met one of your uh, at, well, at Eastlake, you, you know, Dave Lunsford. He's the creative director at Eastlake or met him. We played a show with him. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal musician. Uh, really cool dude. We had a really nice conversation backstage. And I was telling him that I live in uh, Franklin, Tennessee with Grace Point, who came, who also is, is now inclusive and, and affirmed. Stan Mitchell's the, the lead pastor there. And, and this is what I'll say about it, just being totally honest and just myself. When I, a, after going two times, I was like, I started loosely referring to it as like the gay church. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and, and I, I want to also clarify, it was, it, it was because I'd never seen, I literally, I, I grew up in Greer, South Carolina. I had never seen that many gay people in one room at one time. And I will also say this, it's the most beautiful church I've ever been to. Not because of the church or the way it looked or the message or anything. Literally, the people sitting in the pews, like the people sitting in the seats. I was like, "Oh my gosh, everybody's welcome here." <laughs> I mean, they they mean it. That's not bullshit. They're not joking. Like that. I mean, and, and and the and the church is way smaller. They took a hit just like East Lake did, and because they came out, I, I'm wondering. It it. I, I love the idea of just being truthful and being honest, and you know, like, uh, uh, and and like uh, the quote. I think it's Oliver Wendell Holmes: a, "A mind stretched can never go back," or something like that. Like, it can never go back to its old self or whatever. Like, once you've been opened up to an idea, you can't go back to the smaller idea that you used to hold on to so strongly and defensively. But, uh, but one thing I'm wondering is how can we build a bridge to all those people? Because what we're talking about is a minority of people, right? That 
we want to be inclusive to and loving to and build a safe place to, how do we all, how do we, all the other people, how do we build the bridge and, and make it to where they can understand and get to where like you're at? Like what, like how can we do that? Because um, like you guys and, and Grace Point, like or well, East Lake and Grace Point both took a huge hit, had to close down. A lot of people left. Maybe a lot of people that went to the church probably were hurt by what was done and changed. How can, do you see that as like uh, the only way to do it is just to do it? Or is there a way to build a bridge to people? Yeah, no, I think it's a really good question, and, and obviously there's there's many many more convers or uh, stories of, of churches and communities that have gone through this and, and have done it different ways. Uh, Denver Community Church, Michael Hidalgo um, and, and John Gettings just went through inclusion. They, I loved their process. I, I would look up uh, their story, um, but I really do think that before we can even have that conversation. Uh, you know, I hate to keep, you know, hammering in on clarity, but th- I think this is a really important step because we can't, we can't begin to talk about our disagreements if we don't know that we even disagree, right? So my favorite conversations are when people, when we get to the, to the table and we just put our cards on the table and be like, here's what I think and here's what you think. Now let's talk about that. Okay. Why do you think that? Why do you think that? I actually think that is a bridge, right? One of my favorite uh, people to talk to lately is, is actually a pastor that I, I grew up uh, going to his church. Uh, he's the associate pastor. His name is Ben Dixon. Great guy. Uh, Foursquare Church in, in the Seattle area. And he disagrees with me on this. His church, however, is very, very clear. I mean, they've done a couple of different messages about here's where we're at with the LGBTQ community. You're welcome here. But at the end of the day, we believe marriage is between one man and one woman. Um, and he's someone who champions clarity with me. He's like, I totally agree. I, I don't, I don't think it's an unreasonable request. So that right there tells me that clarity is a bridge builder because if Ben and I can, can disagree fundamentally on the theological topic, but agree on clarity, then there's something there. Um, and so I think, again, this goes back to the seeker sensitive movement where, um, we've, cr- we've created church in the image of corporation, right? Um, and specifically the evangelical church, right? And, and actually this is something I'm learning now that I'm um, at Riverside and that I'm sort of more exposed to the mainline world, it's a different ballgame um, in the sense that, you know, in, in both Catholic churches, Orthodox churches, mainline churches, they have governance and polity that's really robust, where the evangelical world um, is, is structured and run more like a corporation where yeah. the, a few senior leaders make all the decisions. And so how they create policy how they enforce policy and how they articulate policy is really up to them. There's no governing body. There's no, you know, some of them have like board of directors or whatever, but they're usually like members of the mm-hmm. congregation that are, you know, whatever. You guys went to Mars Hill, you know what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. Um, so, so in the evangelical church, um, this is a big part of the problem is that there is no accountability. Uh, it's this, the CEO run model is what I think really needs to die. So to answer your question, to build these bridges, I think we need to start by actually having a conversation uh, uh, as to where we're at. Would that mean you're saying we're not affirming at, we do baptism, but we don't do marriages as of now and we may change. That's a, is that, is that your version of a bridge? That's very clear. Right. Yeah. Or even like a lot of churches are in process, right? Like, Hey, right now we won't baptize, we won't marry, but we are taking, um, the next year, you know, set a, set a date on it, and we are mm-hmm. going to be in active discernment. This is what um, InterVarsity did. This is what Denver Community Church did. And they made it publicly known that this is, everyone knows this is controversial. Everyone in the church world knows this is a, you know, this is a dicey subject. 
Um, and so there's nothing wrong with, with being clear about the fact that you are going... You're, that it is dicey, yeah. Right, and that you're going to be going through an intentional process. So that's one of the best ways to do it, I think. Yeah, and uh, you uh, know that, how you described that conversation and that bridge just being openness. My dream, <laughs> if I had a dream, I just I want to see that exist in the same church. Like I I think the the thing that stumps me is I know that there are sins that I have that I have no awareness of and it's going to take time for me to understand or someone else to tell me. So let's let's just assume that acting on gay attraction is a sin. Let's assume that for right now. Why can't we all seek Jesus together, which means everything together, teaching kids, leading small groups? I just don't understand, and, and, I, and I feel like there is so much hypocrisy in place because that's the one thing that if you have a lifestyle of that, it disqualif- disqualifies you of stuff, whereas lifestyle of gluttony, no big deal. Lifestyle of selfishness and verbally abusing mm-hmm. your spouse, eh, no big deal. We, you, can, you can lead a small group. But that one, you can't seek Jesus with us in that capacity. And I just, I don't like that. But that's from the assumption, Joey, that it is a sin versus the, the even more ambiguous case that many people find themselves in, which is, I'm not sure if it right. is, which is, and then on to, and... I'm going to exclude people. Right. That's the that's the even crazier right. one is. And so George, if you wouldn't mind, could you help us out here? I'm this is why I wanted to jump into this cuz it confronts me in a way of I've I've I don't believe I've made any declarations of what I think about it and I'm wondering how where does this like what are people supposed to do? Let's just say these pastors Judah Smith or me as an individual if is it just so simple as if somebody confronts me I have to know what I think immediately? Or, or how, how, how far down the individual level does that, does that need to go? Yeah, let, let me speak to what Joey just said, though, first, before I, before I hit that. I, I think um, you bring up an interesting point that um, has actually been a really big part of my journey through uh, shortly after inclusion. And a lot of the um, tension that I think I've felt personally has, has caused me to reflect and look at my own story and my own sort of identity and, and realize that, you know, I have largely been – you know, I'm an Egyptian immigrant. I was, I was born in Cairo. I was four years old when my family moved here. Um, and I, I have neglected that part of, of my story. And even just recalling sort of like uh, situations of racism growing up and um, in and, and times where I've uh, sort of erased my, my identity in order to blend in and, and just to be accepted in the culture that I found myself in, which was largely, you know, white culture, which is fine, but not at the expense of my own identity. And so Part of what, um, why I'm so passionate about LGBTQ uh, equality is because of my own story, right? And so what you just said, Joey, about, you know, my dream is to have this church where um, someone can say, well, I think that's a sin, and someone else can say, well, I think that's not a sin. I understand that sentiment, um, and I think there are applications theologically where that makes sense, right? So where we could go to the same church and disagree on the nature of the Trinity, right? Something that's frankly less consequential than how you're defining me as a human being, right? Yeah. And so I would equate yeah. it, frankly, to, um, and this, this might sound dramatic to you, but this is, this is how a gay person understands it, is it would be like you saying, look, you can totally come here as a brown person, George, but just know, like, you know, eh, you're, not, you're not on my level, 
right? Some people aren't okay with it here, but you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're, we're mixed on whether we think it's okay to be brown or if it's good. Gotcha. That's, exactly. that's, that's wild. That's insightful. So that's, that's, uh, that's a, a way of looking at it that, you know, obviously I can't change the fact that I'm brown where, you know, someone from that position might argue, well, you can change the fact that you're gay or whatever. So there, it's not a perfect analogy. But I, I'm just I'm bringing that up to say it, when it's core, fundamental, fundamental to who you are, and yeah. at the offset you're saying, no, you can't be that. It's, it's just, it's really hard to be in that level of community relationship. It doesn't mean we can't be friends or acquaintances. It's just really hard to do that in, in a practicing community where we're trying to grow closer to God. Yeah. No, that's, I, yeah, I, it's, it's, I, we, on a way less, uh, uh, serious level, like we live in, uh, forest crossing neighborhood and it's a ta- like our neighborhood's really nice, but it's attached to a super nice uh, neighbor- no, wait, we live in Riverview and cro- Forest Crossing is the super nice area. And a lady, we were walking and a lady goes, oh, are y- y'all new here? You, you moved? And we said, yeah, we, we live in Forest Crossing. She's like, oh, what street? And we said our street. And she goes, oh, no, 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 no. That, that's Riverview. That's not Forest Crossing. Uh, and, and, and I was like, what? And, and, like, and I immediately felt un- unwelcome. Uncar- you know what I mean? Like she, she wanted to clarify, hey, you are not a part of my neighborhood. You're on that thing on the outside but uh, okay, talk to you. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it, I know that's nowhere near as much as like church and when we're talking about sexuality and all this stuff. But I, I, I kind of see what you're saying. It, like, I, I like what you're saying here. We have to start somewhere. So maybe the bridge is just starting being honest with what you think. Like, we all should just be open and honest, so everybody at least knows where where they're at. Where you know where we're standing with each other or not standing with each other. Um, is so, really that, that, go ahead, Joy. Sorry. So so. So George, with with what you just said, which was actually super helpful for me personally, would it be fair to say then that if you want to have an affirming church, people who who think that it is a sin should not be welcomed? Like, do we do we turn it around and say, well, these people need to like gay people need to be able to fellowship with everyone that is okay with it, and they don't think it's a sin? So sorry. We can't let you in if you think it's a sin. Yeah, and actually, I think that goes back to Matt's question that he asked uh, about, you know, what should I do if someone comes up to me and asks me what I believe? So there's a couple layers to this. One is um, there's a difference between being a pastor and leading a church and being responsible for crafting, communicating, and enforcing policy. I think that's just we have a higher responsibility. That's biblical, by the way, right? right. Leaders have a higher responsibility to whom much is given, much is expected, all these things, right? So um, so to answer the question of what should I say if someone comes to me, I think it just depends on the context, right? Like, what it, what's it to you? Like, do you have family members? Do you have friends where you, there's urgency on you to, to know what you believe? Are you going to be uh, making the decision of, of whether or not to, you know, do a wedding or bake a cake or whatever it is in your context uh, that where it's going to end up mattering. But I think everyone should know what their convictions are, right? Like, yeah. um, yeah. you should, you should really <laughs> figure out what you believe about things about that. And especially yeah. about things that, that matter. Right. Um, you know, and if you're a parent, God, like do the homework ahead of time. Don't wait for your kid to come out to you as gay and then decide, Oh shit, I should probably do some research on this. Right. Like yeah. mm-hmm. that's so yeah. irresponsible. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think the question of if someone is not affirming, should they go to an affirming church is, is a really good question. And, and it's something that we wrestled with at Eastlake, something that, that I know uh, Denver Community Church is wrestling with. 
So the, the answer is, of course, everyone is welcome, right? Just like you would say on the other side, like everyone right. is welcome. Right. But here's the deal. You're not, you're not going to spew hate here, right? Like I understand you think like gay people are a problem and they're going to go to hell. Like, okay. But you're not, you're not going to accost them, you know, in the lobby and, and make sure that your opinion about them is told. Like then you're not, then you're not welcome here, frankly. Yeah, but yeah. – I don't think we're talking about those people at all. I think we're talking, and and honestly, it's and and what I wanted to ask you because I, I think I think Matt and Toby and I, I want to try to communicate where we're at personally. And and a question before we get into that is, do you think that the gay community, if and and obviously this this is one of those tough things because everybody's just like, why are you guys even talking about this? You're not even gay. But do you think it would be healthy for the gay community? to have more patience and understanding with people who have always been brought up learning, oh, that is a sin? Um, well, it just depends on what you mean by patience and understanding, right? Again, like not, really- like not think they're bad people. So in other words, if so, I know some people, <laughs> I mean, there, there's, there's, millions of people that say i legitimately love you i am not a homophobe it does not freak me out when i see you kiss another guy but because i believe in the bible it seems like it's saying it's not right and so that's where i'm at and those people are written off as as bigots is is that unhealthy and should the gay community the christian gay community be a little more understanding i don't know of any of my gay friends who would would take the average sort of person who's like just honestly struggling with yeah. what like the Bible yeah. says and, and what they were brought up believing, but on the surface, they're super kind and loving and they're not in their face about, Hey, you're going to go to hell and God's judgments on you. Right. Like who isn't, um, who's like, they're not, they're not really worried about that person. That's the thing It's like, unless we're talking about, and this is where the conversation needs to, we need to recognize the difference between, the church, the church world, and what leaders say from a very, you know, in the, in the public square, and what they enforce and their policies—that's a very different mm-hmm. conversation than what you're talking about. Yeah. Which is, yeah. if you just have casual acquaintances, but in your heart you're struggling to reconcile your faith, I think some of the best things you can do to reconcile that is be in a close relationship with gay people. Yeah. Because you'll quickly yeah. learn that they're, just, you know, they're just they're just normal people trying to live their life. Um, but but the nuance again is. What is the responsibility of leaders? Um, what is the responsibility of people who publicly communicate things that actually impact uh, things like policy? Yeah. Okay. So at this point, I would be. It would just be un. It would just be unthinkable to me, given the nature of our podcast and what we do, and as much as we talk about transparency and all this stuff. There's no way we're getting off the hook today without us saying more of what we think or don't think or don't know what we think. So I'm asking you, George, hey guys, I'm will cr- you help Toby? I'm, I'm pushed for time. I got an appointment. So I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> will you help Toby, Joey, and I walk through it to whatever degree? Because it, it strikes me when I read the comments on our Facebook, it hit me. Uh, somebody, somebody posted a comment that said, I don't think a church should have to be. Our church is neither affirming nor denying in their stance. And it hit me. I was like, well, then that's that's not true. There's no such – you can't be neither because there is, no uh, no matter what, an underlying policy that yeah. exists. So just to say, well, I'm neither affirming nor denying, that does, that's not really an answer. That's not an actual, unfortunately, a possible answer. Now, I understand that's a church and an institution and a thing. That's different than an individual, but the same thing applies to me. So I need – I don't know that I have the responsibility in that same – 
way as a church. But hey, I mean, we're about transparency, and we have a podcast, and people seem to take that pretty seriously. So, why don't you make us say what? Help us say what it is that we think. Can you help us do it? Because and actually, and I'm sorry if that makes Joey super uncomfortable. Joey is a pastor, and you said pastors need to do their homework to know what they're going to say when somebody asks them to marry them. Joey, I imagine you haven't had anybody ask you to marry them yet, and do you know what you would say? Yeah, I have not. Well, well, my role is a little bit different because I don't make the policy at the church. I I pastor a campus, so I'm a little off the hook as far as I don't. It's not my job to make. Uh, stance on this. Um, in fact, I can't do that. That's not my role. But I mean, I'll just I'll so, just tell so you. So there's policy that says you can't say your stance. Uh, I, no, I have. I I would doubt that. Seco sitting like that. So I'll, I'll just go ahead and and just explain where I am right now. I think that the different way in which I've been reading the Bible has brought me to a point where I was just oh, like... You, oh, you, what, you NIV now? You're not King James Version only, or what? <laughs> no, just just <laughs> just discussions of inerrancy and, and just, just peering into a world of sincere Christians that read the Bible totally differently than I've ever heard of and from, from other Christians, and that's been an eye-opening experience. So it's put enough doubt in my heart on this issue, and I hate saying that word, and I want to just put this out there. We're talking about this as it is an issue, but there's real people involved, and, and that's that's my main point that I'm going to get to here in a second. But but the first thing is, I don't I don't know exactly how to read the Bible. I'm still figuring that out, and so my honest answer is, I don't know if it's a sin. I think maybe it is, but then I don't know, and and I would rather be able to have that sort of question and at the same time be fully affirming as far as how someone can participate in the church, get baptized in the church, lead small groups and all that. Because honestly, a lot of people, what they're afraid of is, well, we're going to confuse the children. I mean, they're not going to know what's right and wrong. And I think kids are going to be more confused as to how we alienate people and they're not going to like that more so. So that's where I've been at for a long time. I'm just not sure. What has really brought me over the edge is is a as a girl that I know specifically, and she actually came to me for counsel years ago and basically said i 'm struggling uh, with with lesbian tendencies, and this girl has been brought up in church uh, you know hardcore conservative, and she 's coming to me because she 's like this is a sin, and i don 't know what to do." Well, I have like watched her process this. This girl, I mean, I'll just, it sounds cliche, but I feel like she has more of a heart for God than I do, wants to do the right thing more than I do, seeks God more than I do. And here she is now and she's like, I think this is okay. And if God told me otherwise, I wouldn't be a lesbian, but I'm going to walk this out, come out of the closet because between God and I, I'm all right with that. And I'm like, who am I to tell this person who I know their heart, I know they seek God, nah, sorry, that's bullshit. Like whatever was between you and God, I just can't listen to, you're off. Like I, I can't do that. So for me, the only other option is, is to be affirming. But I was talking to Matt and Toby just a second ago, and I really do struggle like when... Uh, when I was reading that article that you wrote and you mentioned marrying gay couples, I don't know if it's cultural conditioning. I don't know what it is, but in my head I was like, oh my gosh, it's almost like a knee jerk reaction. I don't know if I can do that. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know because I've never seen marriage in that way. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a confusing enough answer and that's probably not clear enough. So help me out. <laughs> is that clear enough, George? 
You know, I think, again, it really just depends on what the impact is going to be, right? So that conversation that you had with that girl that wanted to come out of the closet, yeah. if your yeah. encouragement to her was like, you're encouraging that and you're, you know, you're, you're telling her be, be who you are. Well, let's, let's, let's stop there. This is, this is literally eight years ago and I was on the same page with her. I was like, yeah, you're right. This is something that, that we need to avoid. Cause she was coming to me with the assumption, this is a sin. So I was right there with her. I agreed with her. So this is a long time ago. But now you don't agree with that anymore? No, now I would not take that approach at all. I would, I would, I, I'm comfortable with knowing that she is seeking the Lord. Yeah. So Joey is using the language there that he's trying to be or essentially is affirming. But, ba- but based I'm, on what maybe you're hearing I'm not. Joey say, that's what I'm asking, George. Is, that, is what Joey's saying make him affirming or non-affirming? If, if, it, if it has to be clarity, I mean, what, you heard what he said and the ambiguity there, although it sounds like he's trying to be affirming. Sure. Is, but I think somebody would say, well, you're not, because clearly you still hate gay people, don't you? <laughs> or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, and this is, again, I hate to sound like a broken record, but this is why this nuance of, of leadership and church policy matters mm-hmm. so much. Because, frankly, Joey, I'm sure you're a great guy, but what you think doesn't really matter mm-hmm. until it actually has real-life consequences, mm-hmm. right? As it does every single day in the church world. Well, what, it, what, it, what, it, what does that mean? Because, you know, we, we do have a house church where there's a bisexual that, that is, is, that's there, uh, that's actively involved, that's a personal friend of mine. We've invited a lesbian couple to be a part, and there would be zero difference in their level of involvement with uh, heterosexual. Like, there would be zero stipulations, um, nothing. So, at, at that level, I don't know what else I can do. Yeah, I mean, I think it'd be a good conversation to have with them, right? Is, is get, have, having an understanding, at least, of... You know, are you equals? You know, if they applied for a job there, would would you hire them? I mean, I think these are these are interesting conversations to, to go down. I think for individuals, most individuals don't have to really come to terms with what they believe until the reality you know faces them. Whether it's their their child comes out of the closet or someone close to them, um, or someone asks them to do their wedding, or you know what I mean. Like there has to be a, a moment where your theology has to match up with your reality. Uh, otherwise, most people don't even really take the time to, to think. They just, whatever's handed to them yeah. is what they believe, yeah. especially especially Christians, right? Like, that was me. I was just, like, on autopilot for so long of, okay, here's the theology my parents gave me. Here's what my pastor says. That's sort of how, how I understand God and, and how the world works. And that's why leadership is so important. Yeah, and, and – Go ahead. I'm sorry, before Matt and Toby, because they're not getting off the hook here. Um, Damn it. I, 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 can you give a snapshot of how you do deal with, and let's just, let's just sit here with the New Testament. How, how have you wrestled through Paul's little random mentions of homosexuality? Like, is, is it possible to give a snapshot as to why that does not present a problem to you? Are you talking to me? Yeah. So, okay, sorry. <laughs> I wasn't sure if you were asking one of that. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, it's, there's, there's a lot to unpack when it comes to how the, you know, handful of scriptures that even allude to, um, gay relationships and, and how they impact our, our, our our lives now. Um, but for me, I'm just like, there's, Paul says a lot of things that I don't agree with. Right. And so I know that's a very, that's a different viewpoint than most traditional Christians, but I don't need Paul to explain to me why, um, Christina and Ayla are in love and they, you know, and, and like, they're fine in the same way that like, 
he, he's off on um, uh, women in the church, right? Like a woman is a woman is not permitted to speak. Like, sorry, Paul, that's that's not actually true. Right. <laughs> a woman is permitted right. to sleep to speak. So. Um, I don't know if that's helpful. Yeah, so it's, it's 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 a simple matter of you're not an inerrantist. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That that works. All right, Matt. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I I can say I mean I don't know. I, I'm trying to search myself and say what is there anything I can say, but I don't have any. Well, okay, I can put it this way. I sub, I know for a fact f- five years ago. I would have said marriage is between one man and one woman, and this is important, and it looks like our culture is headed to a crossroads. And I, I, know, I remember even talking to Bridget about it, saying we're going to have to – this is going to be a big deal soon. And we were at Mars Hill at the time and everything, and I said this is going to be a big deal, and we're going to start to look real bad because of our views here eventually. Uh, but we, this is what it is. This is what we believe, and we'll have to hold firm. I mean not, that, that was kind of the line of thinking I was in. I could see some of this coming and going, but, uh, you know, unfortunately – or whatever, because I don't feel homophobic or anything, mm-hmm. at slightly anything like that, or weirded out. But it always seemed to me biblically that it was clear, and now it doesn't seem clear anymore to me. So now I can say, well, since it's not, I'm I'm so far as saying I don't want to just jump out and go. I'm I don't want to earn brownie points and virtue signal here that I'm now affirming. I'm trying to avoid sounding that way, so I'm trying to make myself sound as bad as possible. Um, that I've had a lot of thoughts that I don't think are are wise or good, but now I'm so unsure on what the Bible really says and inerrancy and what Paul says and what it really means, and there's so much ambiguity there that in there's no way I could let something that I'm not sure about at, at all be a barrier to anything. So far be it from me that I would ever not affirm anything or anybody in LGBTQ issues, whatever. So for as a matter of pure logic and technicality, I'd have to say I'm affirming, just on just based on just the pragmatism of well, if I'm not sure, that far be it from me to hold hang up anybody anywhere yeah. on something I'm not sure yeah. about. So, and I'm probably leaning closer to I think it's totally fine, <laughs> basically, probably I think that's where I am. But and that's what's interesting about the quote Toby said earlier. Like your mind, once it goes one way, it's not going back. I totally reserve the right to change my mind or be convinced otherwise. But it's super bizarre on issues like this because you don't really see it going. It's very low likelihood that this is going in any direction but one direction. So when I zoom out and look at the macro, I feel like mega inclusion is on the way big time. And to people right now that are standing super firm, I think you're going to see those people flip too. So I guess I'm in the middle of or have mostly completed my flip. And I understand I'm going along with the culture at large. But I had to consider, I think maybe the culture at large is getting it right. And so, I, too bad. Maybe I'm a little behind the curve, and maybe I'm not all the way there yet. But I think the culture at large may be getting it right, and I do think you're going to see more and more flips. And I think it'll be the common thing. I think Judah Smith Church probably, um, and churches like his, within five to ten years, will be fully inclusive. I believe that. Ding so, ding 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 I, ding I, ding I, ding. All ding, I can ding, do is ding, go ding, along ding, with ding, that train. Ding. That's where I'm at. <laughs> you think you think culture, Matt's going to change so much that it'll just force the churches to because they want to keep the yeah, people butts yeah. in the seats, so they'll go. Well, hey, yeah. we're okay. Okay. Yeah, come on. Right. Keep, but they don't want to do it as early please as Eastlake Church did because it costs you millions of dollars. Right. They'll be behind the curve as the church always is, by the way, right. with the music and the culture and the business strategies. It's always going to be behind, but that's where it'll be. Wow. Y'all made me go last. First of all, who cares what three middle class white dudes have to say? We can't. Right. <laughs> 
and, well, and I guess I, that's I mean, what it's not I, to make it about that. I but know, people do but, I mean, say, I guess that's you know, what, you can't let your you know. I guess that's what I want to say. I I hope like from from the littlest age when I was just so little, I can remember everybody telling me. It doesn't matter what other people think about you. It's what you think. So that is where I stand. I, I hope that nobody really cares what I think and are, are comfortable with themselves, right? Now, I feel like, I don't know. I don't know if y'all are going to like my answer either. Here's what I think. I th- it's okay as long as it's true. I think uh, gay folks are awesome and good and hardworking and also shitty and have a <laughs> lot of, of sins what, forget homosexuality. They they probably have a lot of fucked up shit that goes on with them, right? Just like me. I mean, I, so do I. I mean, I, I'm straight. That didn't give me any brownie points. You know what I mean? Like most of my sexuality is looked on bad on in the Bible. Almost everything that I want to do sexually, <laughs> the Bible's pretty against it. I, I look. I've looked at porn. I will probably look at porn again soon. Uh, I uh, look at women's butts. I would you know love to have sex with as many women as I can. I, I mean, all, all the things, all the things that, that the Bible says don't do. My body, I go woo. You know, so so. How dare I uh, uh, assume that somebody else's sexuality is 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 so bad? Like I, I I'm trying to struggle with my own and figure out what's right with my sexuality. Like I literally am. I'm trying to figure out what is right. How do I honor my wife, my 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 daughters, and my son? How do I honor them and, and figure all that stuff out? So what I would say is, I think just just like you said, George. I think every per I want to church has to be a safe place. Everybody has to be welcomed, no matter what. It just has to be, and I, I I think everybody should have rights. I think you should be able to get married. I love like when we when we go to Grace Point and there uh, there's some gay people that watch our kids. I have no fear that they're indoctrinating my kids to be gay. I'm super happy that they're serving. Like I, I worked at a church. You know how many straight people don't serve in children's ministry? Oh yeah, about ninety percent. They don't do shit. <laughs> and you're telling me we can get gay people into our church and they'll actually serve? My God, I'm going to turn that away. No, that's that's ridiculous. So I will say that. Now here's the caveat. I don't know where I'm at yet with me personally and thinking is w- w- what is gay and and what is it? What what does it mean? Like I I'm 41 years old and have been told my whole life. Very strongly that gay people were, uh, 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 you know, sinful and going to hell, and they were trying to indoctrinate anybody around. So my entire life, I heard that over and over and over again, and I've been trying to whittle that away and figure out the truth. And so I, I would say I'm on a journey personally, but I would I want to encourage anybody. I want to go to churches where gay people are there and feel comfortable. And it does. I would. I, you're exactly right, George. I'd hate the idea of somebody letting you know that, hey, you can come to this church, but you, I don't agree with gay stuff. Well, good Lord, what does that even mean? Like, why, what, I mean, if you have to defend your belief that way, and, and if, you, if you have a defense mechanism that pushes people out rather than bringing them in, that's where you got to start. You really have to start there. Like, why would I defend this so strongly and make people not, not come to know Jesus? Why would I push people away and let them not be welcome or help them or see what they're going on? You know, and, and just me personally too, I just, man, I hope that we can just move forward, get past this. Cause I, I love making fun of everybody and I want to be able to make fun of straight people and gay people and, and, <laughs> and white people and black people and, and crazy people and smart people and dumb people. I want to, I, I just like treating everybody the same. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I do. Well, t- so t- t- tell me, I, that probably up- does I don't know if that makes any sense, but I, so I feel like I'm affirming, but for me personally, I'm on a journey. 
is what I well, would say. And that make that brings up a great point that ties all this together that I want to hear uh, what what George has to say about this. Toby's afforded that journey, but someone like Judah Smith is not. So and and and, right. and I'm throwing out the, the I'm not even thinking about him removing that tweet. What if Judah Pastor Judah Smith, right? What what if he's on a journey right now and he doesn't know? He has pressure to know, but Toby doesn't. Yeah, absolutely. Dang. Leaders Dang. leaders have, have a higher responsibility. What if it takes him a long time? What if he what if he is making it his priority and he's just not there? Then he can say that though. Okay. And he should say yeah. that. Okay. He yeah. should respond and say that. I just, okay. That's okay. all we're talking about is there's there's so many layers to that, right? Like first of all, pastors should be able to have public dialogue with each other. I think. I mean, yeah. especially local pastors. Like, you know, three months going unanswered. That's to me. That's that, that's that's crazy. I can't imagine ignoring a local pastor for three months. I don't care. It's not like right. it was a little peon fan in an inbox somewhere that just wanted to have a, get some advice on a, what he thought about a scripture. Yeah, you I didn't. Mean, you, he, you didn't tweet he, a Bible verse. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying he knows who you are. Right, of course, right. you. I mean, it's, this isn't something he didn't know. He pulled the tweet down. In fact, the clip, the whole sermon's back up online now, and that passage is edited out. Get out. Here. So it's not like you're not fully aware. It's it's like a deafening silence. Yeah. This is not. This isn't like oh he didn't get around to it yet or he didn't see his silence says a ton. His silence says a ton. Actually, right. Well. So if you look back at like even and I don't know if you've thought about this. It just popped in my head. But we had the military whenever that was in the, probably the early '90s or whenever it was that the policy was don't ask, don't tell. I mean that's just a way around something. But it's like. I'm, that's not going to hold. <laughs> right. that, this, I mean, how long is that going right, to work right. for? I mean, so what, what's going to happen? Yeah, and so I guess to answer the question, like I, I do think that leaders are held to a higher standard than the average person. We're supposed to lead. And actually, just the, the different language that um, even in this conversation, and you would have been amazed at some of the responses to the Judah letter where people were like, I go to City Church and I know for sure we're affirming. And, and just as many people, I, I go to wow. city church and I know for sure we're not affirming, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> exposes the problem. It's like, right. It, right. these people aren't being led. And I'm like, as pastors, we need to like actually lead. And if I, that's, if that's, I, Hey, we're on a journey and, and you know, we're exploring this. Great. Say that. I think, yeah. I think Matt, Toby and I would disagree with you potentially with how we view leaders. Cause it, it, that's just, putting all that responsibility on them in that regard, what you just mentioned, which makes so much sense, but it also sets them up to for people to be like, that's who I want to be like because he's the one with all the answers, and then the shit hits the fan when we find out he's been cheating on his wife. So I... But but I'm not going to argue against the Bible. I mean, it does say teachers have a higher level of responsibility, but I, I'm just not well, sure Joey, how that look, looks, though. Okay. Well, but let, there's a couple examples you have in your article that speak to that what he what you're saying there, Joey. And let me see if I could find them. But but the problem is if you're not saying it's fine to say I don't know or I'm working on it or we're not sure. But that would set your congregation off like, uh oh, it looks like he's yeah. exploring LGBT. Yeah. That even saying yeah. that is going to already you're upset right. people. So that's why they can't say it. But in the meantime, while you're even if you were going to take five years and a more, put a moratorium on thinking about it, in that time there's still policy being enacted. There's still real people in the church that are wanting to get married but scared to ask or ask and get told no. Um, what are the examples that you use, George, in the article? I'm gonna see if I can find them here. But you you word them pretty well. But it's uh, let's see. Do, uh, do you know what I'm talking about? I, what, the the 
the actual examples you give of people? The well, the one, the, the one, the one that stuck out stood out to me, man. I don't know if this is what you're going for, but going back to the point, you you wrote, "I'm concerned for the lesbian couple at your church this. who will hear your call for inclusion and mistakenly." Take down their guard as they ask you to officiate their wedding, only to be faced with judgment and rejection when you or another pastor deny them this sacred sacrament. And that that just totally rings true to me. And that's what I'm saying. That's where I'm at. Like, it's okay to be married. I, I'm okay with gay people serving the church, honestly being in leadership positions. I'm I'm okay with all of that. I, I, I'm just on my personal journey trying to figure figure it out because I did, like I know this sounds crazy, but I also used to be against uh, f- females in leadership, like ladies in, in leadership, because that's what I was taught. And I was told that women, like, like you said, women weren't supposed to talk in church. So maybe we should, you know, they can, they can, uh, be a, a uh, evangelist maybe, but they can't actually lead a congregation. They can teach the children. And, 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 and my mind's changed on that. And, and so much so that even like Matt, Matt's mother just passed away recently. And the lady, the pastor she, she, that presided over it was so wonderful. Like it, just, it, it was so moving her skills as a pastor were so phenomenal. I was like, "How dare we not allow people to see this and and be let her be used by God?" Like I just, I was so blown away. And and part of it, I think, was her femininity. And we were stealing that from the congregations for so long. This this pastoral role that that ladies can. And so, how dare we we take all those other gifts from other people too because of what we might think. Or where, or where, what we've been taught and not thought about ourselves. And that's where I, I, this is probably the first time in my life where I'm really thinking on my own and not being totally influenced by the, the culture or, or the, the place where I live or the small church of 50 people that I go to that are scared about most of the rest of the world. Is there a slavery, um, I mean, parallel here, or is that too uh, loaded even to, to do? I mean, people were sure what they thought about black people and their souls and who, if they were people or not until they weren't. Is there a parallel here, or is that too, too far, too, a bridge too far? Because, I mean, you know, evangelical Christianity was, was very confirming of slavery, and it was the fringe that was opposing it and the rights of, of black people until, until it wasn't, and it was messy. Absolutely, yeah. There's a lot of parallels. Slavery, slavery, women in leadership, um, Mm -hmm. how we approach anyone that isn't like us, you know, whatever the the us is, whatever the status quo is. Um, But I want to speak again to Toby's point about about leadership because I understand the impulse to, especially having a Mars Hill background, right? The impulse to not build up this uh, cult of personality, I think is a good impulse. And I think if you just zoom out and you look at the entire evangelical world, what we have is this, uh, the, again, the seeker-sensitive sort of construct, this capitalistic I, uh, ideal that I think needs correction, right? Yeah. So the end game here isn't to make sure that City Church continues to grow. Like, I'm just like, that's not my motivation. I, I want pastors to tell the truth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. um, if, if the result of telling the truth is your church suffers, then I'm like, good, your church wasn't healthy. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's a great yeah. point, George. Or it's built on something great point. weird. Yeah. Dang. Mic right. drop right there. Mike. I know. Drop. Good Lord. George, thank you so much for coming on, man. I know that uh, you probably didn't need, need, actually need to hear all of our stances, but thanks for sitting through that and helping us <laughs> kind of figure out where we're at and what, what we're thinking through and stuff like that. But hey, also, he, he texted I, I really WTF do... to so many of his friends while we were explaining. He's just like, good yeah. Lord, WTF. <laughs> Uh, hey, hey, George, right before uh, jo- Joey texted us before and he said, I'm worried about today's podcast. I just read that post. 
<laughs> you scared the hell out of Pastor Joey Spencer. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, it's you been did a pleasure. It, you thanks did. so much for having me. Yeah, thanks so much, man. Thanks, we'll, man. We'll, hopefully, we'll we'll get to talk to you again soon in the yeah, future. Yeah, we'll be in touch, George. All right, have a good one, guys. Awesome. Hey, I just want to tell you guys that you know I pay close attention to our Twitter feed, and Westboro Baptist tweeted us and said they are very touched by the live feed of don't, our podcast. No, don't this say episode. that. They'll sue us. No, they're <laughs> yeah, they're, leave them alone. We don't have anything to say about them. They did not tweet us. Nothing, nothing, nothing. <laughs> Hey, real quick, we want to thank those of you that are a part of the BC Club, and we've got some names, some specific people who have joined recently. If if uh, you would like to join the BC Club, you can go to thebcclub.com. And uh, Matt, tell them just a little bit about the BC Club, because my computer is slow as hell right it. now. You got it. No, the way I look at it is this. I would ask that if you enjoy this podcast, you would continue consider supporting it there's many ways you could do it you can please continue to tell people you can leave us a review on itunes you can just continue to make sure you're subscribed and download the podcast when they sound good or if you like them or if it's interesting to you but i would suggest the best way to support the podcast is to join the bc club because it's an actual community of people that think in a similar way that you have stuff in common with very there's a very diverse group of course but you have a a lot in common with other people that would join such a group or listen to such a podcast as this, and that is some authenticity and transparency and seeking stuff and changing your mind and trying to listen and whatever. It's just it's a fun group to be in. There's a Facebook group there. We give away some perks, and I believe that it is very valuable and worthwhile to pay financial support out of your pocket. And I don't even think of a support or charity. It's literally just paying for what you consume so that you're in charge of it and not a corporation or third party and stuff like that. We make this podcast directly. We own it. We don't have any bosses. And then you consume yeah. it. The only way that works is if the best way that that works is if there is the financial, any finances are direct transactions there. And I think you get more out of the stuff that you consume if you pay for it. I think you know that to be true. But I suggest paying for all the media that you enjoy and care about i think it's a good practice to keep it it going and and our club is our club is all inclusive and we don't keep anybody out out like those other christian podcasts yeah those other podcasts don't allow they do l l g and b but no t and q often (laughs) is is typical for for the fan clubs of podcasts but we're all the way all right well uh, alicia sell narita semi gomez claros longest name ever Alicia Smith, I think that's Judah's wife, Jeremiah, James <laughs> Holder, and Frank Dahl. You guys, thank y'all very much. And Frank Dahl, uh, we are sending you a box from marriagesupply.com. If you are not married, give it to your parents and imagine them using these sex toys uh, and pleasuring each <laughs> other in their bedroom. But basically, marriagesupply.com, you guys should go check it out. It's a sex store for married couples, or at least that's who it's intended for. I certainly don't think that they check and make sure you're married before you order it. But uh, we love those guys. And uh, so, Frank Dahl, you are getting a free box. That's pretty awesome. You're welcome. Very good. Very good. All right. Y'all feel good about the episode today? I, not that bad, right? I, I not do. It's not scary. It's I'm, okay. I may lose my job, but who knows? You're not going to lose your I job. Know. You're not going to lose your job. <laughs> You're going to get fired for loving people? That's a good cause to get fired for. 
<laughs> no, yeah, no. I, thought, I think that's quite simple. I think what the way you come across as a pastor is just perfect. I always say that. Oh, yeah. thanks. Man. A lot of things I think are very, very, very goofy about you, my friend. But I think as a pastor, you exhibit the qualities that I really appreciate. I think it's a you're a great model as a pastor. Well, thanks say. for that verbal yeah. hand job for being man. willing to do this. All, all the stuff you do, I, it's easy for me. I, I don't have. I can say whatever I want to. It's for you. I I admire. Oh, I love you, man. I really love you. Yeah. <laughs> and just just remember, if you're gay, come this way. <laughs> you're, you're welcome here. See y'all next time. Oh, man. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com.